welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Do five the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and good pal Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm doing very well. Not very depressed. Are you sure? Not very anxious. Well, not very uh, angry. How what a professional, seamless way to link into uh, this week's episode. <laughs> talking about depression, you can tell we're pros, and we've been doing this for 425 episodes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> now I I could have every right now to be both angry and depressed because um, I, I've been having this camper van built. Um, so that we can enjoy the British Isles and uh, it's been delayed by a month so I could be I could be really oh no I'm really angry tonight yeah sense some frustration in you so yeah we chatted about it before we came on air and um, so yeah how does a psychotherapist deal with a crushing blow you know something that he's been waiting so long for you plan to go and do something else to fill the space in. Because when you've taken, you book time out because you're going to have this time and then suddenly you can't do what you want to do. How many people have been faced with that in COVID because they must have booked holidays and then suddenly the, the country turned amber or whatever and they can't go. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm sure that we're not alone in that experience. But it's like, what do you do with it? And in that sense, that. It's never what happens to you in life. It's how you respond to it that's important. Yeah. No. We can do what we want with the information that we get around us. Yeah. Let's just, yeah. I mean, we'll dive in straight into this one. Liveinthepresent.co.uk for any new listeners is the website where you can get all the uh, links that we mentioned and all the previous episodes too. Um, You can subscribe on all the usual platforms. We are there. Uh, So, yeah, do, and you'll get alerts for each, each week when it goes out. So, Last week we talked about anger and aggression, um, which you know is a form of energy, as we discussed, and kind of brings about a certain response. Usually, anger, quite high energy reaction with people, um, which is sometimes good, sometimes not good. Depression is different because it's depression brings about a lack of energy, doesn't it, and a lack of ugh. Well, there, there is a weird connection between the three, and the reason that they've been done in that order is this, is that when you get anxious because you're worried about the future, um, sometimes anger, um, because we find it easier to express anger than anxiety. Sometimes our lack of expression of the anxiety can create a feeling of anger inside us. And that could be anger towards other people's insensitivity because they don't realize how anxious I am. So it can turn into all kinds of angers, yeah. but because we're British, we get inhibited about, about sharing the anger as well. And one of the things that we know is that when people hold anger in and they're not letting it out, it turns against them and becomes depression. Oh. So you can get anxiety leading to anger or unexpressed anger leading to depression. Wow. Yeah, the, the three knock on like that. Um, that's mad. I mean, you've put in your blog post that in the UK, we currently write over 46 million prescriptions each year. For yeah, it's, it's actually a bit higher than that now. It's gone up. Because, you know, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I've never experienced... Well, I, I wouldn't say I haven't experienced depression because I probably have on sign of one one form or another, you know, quite a, relatively mm. mild forms, but I've never never needed to take antidepressants, the drugs. So can you talk about some of the kind of, like the clinical and the kind of chemical reactions that go on inside the body when you're... Uh, when you've, you're suffering with depression? Well, it can happen either way around. Um, if, if your pancreas isn't working properly for whatever reason, <clears throat> so that you don't produce the right amounts of insulin, sorry, <clears throat> COVID, long COVID. <clears throat> mm. um, so you have to take extra insulin. You're balancing the chemical endocrine system. Uh, we don't see that as a problem. If you look up the other end of the system, at the pituitary gland and the pineal gland up here, and if that chemistry goes out, then we have to take either uppers or downers. You know? So we need to, to take things to adjust the chemistry at this end. For some reason, we're okay talking about diabetes. I can say to you, oh, you take me diabetic medication. But if I'm on happy pills, then people can go, oh, it's on happy pills, okay. And, so, and that's one of the things we're not good at addressing, but it's no difference in the system. Right, mm-hmm. so that if you are clinically depressed, it's because there's something wrong with the chemistry, and you can talk about that until your head drops off, and it won't change the way the chemistry is working. So you might need to have medication, yeah, and that is a clinical depression. If you have a reactive depression, you can have the same experiences, but the lack of chemistry has has come from a particular event or unresolved event, which has created a change in the chemistry inside you, which has created the feeling of depression. And sometimes you need to take medication as a prop to hold you up whilst you do the work underneath. So that when you take the props out, the medication, and so the medication's gone, and then you fall down a hole. You don't need to do that. Yeah, if you do the psychotherapy, then you don't go back down the hole. So medication can be useful, but um, it's only a part-time use whereas if you've got proper clinical depression then it becomes a full-time use you've got to use it forever you know and and that's not a bad thing it's just balancing your system yeah so yeah i mean my, my brother has got some kind of digestive issue that yeah. kind of led, led to crohn's disease earlier in his life mm-hmm. which was not much fun and he has he has medication um each yeah. morning to kind of to kind of top up some chemical imbalance in his body so Clinical depression does the same thing, right? Or antidepressants do the same thing for clinical yeah, depression. Yeah, and, and we're not very good at that. We tend to look down on people that have any problems that are above the neck. You know, anyone's got problems like that, and it's like, well, crackers, you know, bonkers, you know, loony tunes, you know. Um, whereas it's just something else is out of balance, just needs rebalancing. Yeah, but I mean, if you, if you don't think you're at that stage yet, or that you think it's more kind of unresolved issues that, that you need to talk through and process what kind of what are the symptoms we're looking for and that you look for when people people are sleeping too long yeah we we reckon that if you sleep for less than seven hours a night usually you're in the anxiety spectrum and if you sleep for more than nine hours or you need to sleep for more than nine hours you're in the depression spectrum right and that we used to say that um with age you sleep less but now we know that Anybody at any age really needs seven to eight hours sleep a day you know, in a 24-hour period. That's, that keeps them, uh, the thing working, right? Um, so there's that continual tiredness, waking up and thinking, oh, God, not again. That's always a good one, yeah? Um, 
that feeling of I can't be bothered, you know, oh, God, I've got to do that, oh, no. You know, and your partner's going, hey, come on, let's go and do so-and-so. And you're thinking, oh, why don't you just shut up and go away? <laughs> you know, so it's all that kind of stuff. But one of the, the, t- the telltales is um, because we know carbohydrates make the brain secrete serotonin, people start craving carbs. And if you find yourself feeling that, and then going and snacking, um, what you're snacking on, and if you're doing the crisps and the and you know the, the rice cakes and all those kinds of things that are carby, then you're you're actually feeding your brain to get some serotonin there. Yeah, and I guess interesting like doing those three th- of things like sleeping more, perhaps you're locking yourself away a bit more, uh, not kind of taking part in society and eating then set you on a bit of a vicious spiral downwards in terms of like your physical appearance and your like how like fit and strong you are and stuff so you can just kind of quite quickly like within a space of months um yeah be in a really bad place and and that's in uh, psycho speakers the carb cycle so you feel bad so you eat carbs you put weight on you look in the mirror you feel bad so you're going to eat more carbs so right. you're in this kind of carbo cycle to try and keep your mood up, but every time you look in the mirror, you feel bad. Yeah. Um, and the really good thing is, because everybody that's depressed really wants to hear this, is that the best thing you can do when you feel really down and like you don't want to do anything is go for a run. Go, if you go and run for 20 minutes, your brain will re-engage itself and will start to release positive chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and then you've got the feel-good stuff. You know. Yeah, um, all you've got to do is just muster up the strength just to kind of get out that front door, isn't it? Which is uh, the hard part. But once you hit, once you're out, you're uh, you're lucky. Yeah. It's really good if you've got a friend or a partner or someone who says it kind of encourages you. Yeah, and and when you are depressed like that, you don't want to go and sprint like a greyhound. You need to go for a trot. You know, so like getting someone moving, you know, go for a good walk and then build that up to a bit of a trot. And then, you know, maybe running is quite a few months down the line, as it were, a little jog. Yeah. Um, Because the mood levels will be low. But the key is if you raise the heart rate for 20 minutes, then the brain will respond. Yeah. And and when I was in psychiatry, you could halve people's medication if they were um, actually... Exercising, using their body, yeah, half the meds. Um, yeah. Cool. So, like, the, the, the t- just to kind of get things going again, get the uppers going, and the energy. The title of this episode is "Depression Could Be a Key, the Key to Happiness, or a Key to Happiness." So, is this about kind of using depression as a trigger for, like, yeah, getting things going again and um, realizing that you need to change? Yeah. So in, in Eastern psychology, depression seems a good thing because they say that's your system telling you that you're doing something wrong. So now what the depression is, is a space where you stop and you review and you work out what's going wrong. Then you do something about it and you change life. Yeah. So therefore, the depression was a really good thing because it enabled you to get yourself back on the right track. Yeah. What tends to happen for us is that we get the depression. We don't use it as a review time. We just go down further, you know. And we have all kinds of phrases in the language that keep us locked into the cycle. Best of the devil, you know. 
The dog can't learn new tricks. What else have we got? A leopard never changed its spots. Yeah, spots, yeah, yeah. There's loads, aren't there? That are all there about stage saying, don't change, you know. And my, my mother, good old Roman Catholic, Irish lot, um, everyone's got their cross to bear. You mm-hmm. know? Or a good one was, whoever told you you were supposed to be happy? That's a good one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, life is hard, life is earnest. Get on with it. <laughs> Um, there's a, a blog post I'm going to link to on jordanharbinger.com um, and it's the surprising benefits of being depressed and yeah the basic message is that uh, the same as ours really depression allows for kind of a focus on life and kind of to get deep and start to really attack the stuff that you know we were born to to do well depending on your, your kind of philosophies on why we exist on this planet um, you can do whatever you want, Connie. You don't have to have a life of deep meaning. You can just trudge yeah, through yeah. if you want to. But there is the chance for kind of real kind of uh, amazing focus and to really, I mean, we, we live in an actual heaven, don't we really? If you look around you, you might need to kind of push beyond certain things that are immediately in front of you. But uh, yeah. it's it's quite a place where we inhabit this planet, isn't it? Someone gave me this book to read. Um, which is nice what if this is heaven for those not watching on on yeah what if this is heaven right now by Anita Mordajani I haven't read it yet so I'll let you know but that idea that maybe we are living because I I think it's like that I I think if we all looked after each other we could all have heaven on earth right now if that's what we chose to do Um, but uh, as we all know from what's going on worldwide, that we don't do that. We don't look after each other. You know, we're not caring about each other. We are in a kind of an odd political sense, but we don't actually, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like in your blog post, I think you say that depression is a sign that things, that things are a bit out of balance in your life. And I guess you could very easily argue that in our version, in our version of heaven here on planet Earth, things are in many ways way out of balance but you know getting the thing getting things back into balance or even close close to balance is good fun right and it's it's worthwhile work yeah you know one of the sad things is uh, with humanity is that sometimes we have to have collapse before we have rebuild you know and it's like people will go on it's a bit like the um the climate naysayers you know that um just don't be stupid it just goes in cycles doesn't it you know, you try telling that to the people in Germany who just had their houses washed away, mm. you know. Um, and you could say, yeah, it's, it's a once in a hundred year occurrence happens every now and again, you know, or is it getting hot? I, I know that this house is hotter than it's been for ages. Now, is that just because we're having a good summer? Or is it because of global warming? I don't know. Mm. You know, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, I mean... Uh- the science is pretty clear uh, and i think it's an opportunity to get things back into balance so but yeah there are there are kind of doomerisms or doomsters in the climate community that think it's too late and that we're already that there are certain kind of tipping points that will kind of be unlocked soon and that no matter what we do um we're, we're doomed and that we're heading for four five six degrees of warming on planet earth which is catastrophic really uh in, like for civilization so, uh, but maybe, maybe we are, maybe they're right. And, but I, I kind of feel that, 
we've got to give it a go. You know, we, we exist, we all exist here for, if we're lucky, 80, 90 years, maybe a hundred if we're lucky. Um, and you, yeah, you just got to enjoy it and kind of try and try and put things back into balance in your own special way. And I guess looking after yourself is the first important, like is the initial priority. Is that, is that a fair thing mm. to say on the, the yeah, self yeah. podcast? But if we look after ourselves, we take the pressure off, off other people. We take the pressure off the health service. We take the pressure off the people around us. You know, if we're continually being ill because we don't look after ourselves, then that's not good, is it? Mm. You know, but that includes mental health as well. My mental health is okay. It's okay to have mental health because we've all got it. It's when you have not so good mental health that it's a problem. There is a real, uh, I mean, there's been an explosion in the last few years of talk about mental health uh, and how it's been kind of overlooked for a long time in society. So I'm, I'm, I would generally agree. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But I do I do worry whether, not worry, wonder, kind of is just being fascinated by it, whether it's kind of self-fulfilling in some ways and that all the, all the endless talk about mental health issues has kind of created more mental health pressure <laughs> yeah. no no i think you're right think you know right. what i mean so I, I, I'm, I'm not a part of the put yourself together and get on with it brigade but yeah. there are lots of people that do need to pull themselves together and get on with it and start mm-hmm. faffing about you know because i, I think you're right there, there does become a kind of a climate where um you know i i've got this terrible problem you know what's your problem well my mother put my hat on back to front when i was a child and they just can't get over it you know and, and there is quite a lot of that kind of stuff going on. I mean, there are people that do have real issues and they're dealing with. Um, but it can be a bit fashionable to, uh, to have problems. Um, yeah, I, it's not so much that. I guess I, I, yeah, I agree. But in, 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 like, in my transport-obsessed world, there's, um, there's, an, there's a theory called induced demand, which I've talked about. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, the theory goes, and it's been proved right around the world, you know, the road's full of cars. So what we need to do is create another lane or we need to make more space for cars or build a bypass, which seems like the right thing to do, you know, in, in, in your head. But what happens is that, um, you just, you, you induce extra demand for traffic. So within a year or two, more traffic has arrived because everyone's seen, Oh, there's this new road been built. Oh, quick, let's go buy another car. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I worry about whether we have the same within the health service, not just in mental health, but right around it. So you, we kind of build these massive hospitals ready to ready for all these masses of ill people. And lo and behold, they fill up in no time. And, and we, we need to so say, I wonder what the opposite in transport, what you need to do is kind of restrict capacity for the things that you don't want. So that you kind of you have to squeeze space for cars, and you have to build a bike lane or build a bus lane so that people on buses can have a priority, which is like politically like no one wants to do it, but it's, it works every time. So I wonder what the opposite would be, or the the the, 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 the similar thing for health. How you kind of because ultimately, if we want people to be healthy, we're getting a bit off track here, and we want. <laughs> mental, Ultimately, we don't want any hospitals at all, would we? Because people would be healthy all the time and we we wouldn't have any kind of... You wouldn't exist or your job wouldn't exist because... No, no, I'd be redundant, wouldn't I? Yeah. I, I, th- I, think, I think that the word is resilience. We need to teach people to have resilience. And one thing that's interesting to me is if I look at Auntie V, who's now 94, um, and she has the most amazing fortitude and resilience. 
and she's she's got things wrong with her and she's in pain and all kinds of stuff but she doesn't let it get her down it's like no i'm not doing that let's go and do this instead you know um and i think that kind of resilience and maybe it does come out of going through the wars and the depression i don't know um but i think that that's the thing that we need to develop more in terms of mental health is this idea of resilience um it's okay to feel bad, but we can do something about it. It's okay to feel anxious, but we can do something about it. You know, rather than, oh no, that's it. And, and it's that phrase where people say, it's just the way I am. You know, and it's never that, it's what I've learned to be. Yeah. But trying to get people to embrace that and live it can be quite difficult. You mm. know, because if that's the way I've learned to be, okay, now I can learn to be something else. Yeah, but I have to be committed to the learning rather than just doing the same old, same old. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to email I, I think one of the things that's true as well, as you were talking about roads, I was thinking about all the young women I keep seeing that have had their faces deformed with Botox and fillers. You know? And that's the same kind of thing to me. It's like suddenly, oh my God, you know, everyone's got this, I've got to have it as well. So mm. if everybody's got anxiety, I've got an anxiety too. You know, I think there is a bit of that in it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, think we should do an episode on that. I'll think it through a bit more because, yeah, I, I do think we have like an induced demand for not, not not necessarily mental health, but certain health issues. And that, you know, I know the government's got plans to build 40 new hospitals or stuff, but I, I worry that that just will just increase ill health in the same way that we see in road stuff and, and other things. You know, same within the world of the crazy world of litter and waste. So, the obvious thing to do with, with litter is to have more bins out, but there have been f- some studies, not enough done on this, but my theory is that you should reduce the number of bins because people are going out buying stuff, expecting to find bins everywhere to put stuff in. Mm. The bins overflow, they get scattered mm. everywhere, litter gets scattered everywhere. There's more of them, so it happens more, and animals drag it all out and whatever. Mm. Uh, and there's more, there's more consumer waste around, so more people litter, and the people yeah. that... The people that litter don't use bins anyway, so mm. so what's the what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So have, think think more about that, Sean, about that theory and how yeah. whether yeah, it applies no, you're right. to health. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 yeah. wrecking my head at the moment. But I see that in lots of places where <clears throat> if one person gets something, you know, like something wrong with them, it tends it tends to follow that other people get it as well. You know, um, especially mm. when it comes to emotional issues yeah mm-hmm. i mean they are they are real and you know i've yeah, yeah. i haven't suffered with depression i mean and you've had issues earlier in your life and i'm sure you yeah. still do you know i'm sure you even you have moments where you need to take a breath and kind of i don't know yeah, yeah. how you cope with stuff yeah. but so i'm not downplaying like the seriousness of mental health at all but i'm just saying that maybe my, my resource actually is a link to an nhs uh, article and kind of a, a system that people can go through to get help but maybe before you do there's just need, maybe you, you need to think think about another way first yeah but but the issue of um we used to have extended families and extended families there was informal stress management because there were lots of people looking after each other yeah as those are broken down into nuclear units people are more isolated and have less support um so, which takes me back to my favourite phrase about if we all look after each other, we'll all be okay. Because um, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, if we did actually take that time out, 
to check each other out. You know, people's we 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 create more resilience. You know. Exactly. Yeah. That that brings me back to my lovely thing about yeah, just ban cars because we don't we don't know our neighbours anymore because we just instantly get into the car and drive away without having those little chats with the people in our communities. Yeah. So um, that, that, that's certainly something about COVID that I've noticed is is that there's been a lot more interactions out here with people, um, and I mean I've done it, but I've seen other people doing it as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right. What's what's your resource, Sean? NHS as well. Uh, yeah, I've got two things going on here. One is the um, it's an NHS um, uh, site, which is just going worth going to have a look at. And it's got like a self-help guide on it, which is good. And the other one is, uh, I've used this a lot of times because I do use a lot with people, it's the Attractor Factor by Joe Vitale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because when, when your life isn't right and you're trying to work out what to do, he has some good mechanisms in that book for getting you to focus. Yeah as how you need to change your life so i'd recommend that yeah. cool all right yeah um i've just i've mentioned mine mine's an, an nhs link as well but uh yeah. yeah i need to think further about my theory my ill-informed and quickly formed theory about induced demand for, for healthcare. so yeah no I, I think there's 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 i think it's got legs that i think it will will run yeah all right we'll talk about that more yeah. in a few weeks right okay sean you take yeah. it easy and i'll see you okay. on the other side, eh? you take care See you then. Bye, Bye. everyone. See ya. Bye.